Hallöchen and welcome to Air Castles, the podcast where we, where we try to understand different cultures one topic at a time. My name is Joanna, I'm from Austria, and I'm joined by... Olivia, who's from America. Whoop, whoop. The United States of America. Yeah, so welcome to our podcast. The way how this podcast works is we always like pick a theme. In this case, the theme is our title of the episode is it's gonna be wait for it. Let uh, no, <laughs> I said it wrong. <laughs> oh my god, because people know what it is because they saw the title. People know what it. Podcast. Yeah. Oh god, okay. that's good. <laughs> Second try. It's gonna be wait. It's gonna be legend. Wait for it, Terry. Okay, I did it. it. I did it. Heck yeah. Third time's a charm, man. You you got it. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Yeah, so basically <laughs> the topic of today is, is kind of like mythology and legends. And Olivia and I, we researched topics about this and yeah, we'll see in which into which corners of the world we're gonna go with our two separate topics and find out what we picked because we don't know about the other other person's topic. I think you do know about about mine yes i do yeah, that's that's our general I theme i think I i'm always like i call dips on this topic and you're like i'm just gonna that's because you always anything. decide before i do <laughs> i procrastinate all the time but it's fine um i go first right yeah it's it's okay. all yours the stage is yours <laughs> got it well uh today i'm going to talk about a place called xanadu aka Shangdu, Akka, Kaiping. You see what I did there? I don't know that why, but the Senadu sounds like it's in, in in the Netherlands. It sounds Dutch. Um, no, it is not <laughs> Dutch. Yeah, that's what I kind of figured. <laughs> um, do you have a guess, actually, as to where it is? Can you repeat it? Besides the Netherlands. Um, in English, we refer to it as Xanadu. But other names are Shangdu or Kaiping. Oh, then it's from Asia somewhere. Um, yes. Kaiping. Maybe Thailand? No, no. Kaiping. Or Vietnam? Nope. But it does sound Vietnamese, I think. A bit. It is Mongolian. This is, uh, oh, no, I never Mongolia. would have guessed that. Not in a hundred years. <laughs> Which, um... I think I was doing a research on a story that I'm writing or something, but I've been doing a lot of research on Mongolia as of late. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is because of the story I'm writing. And um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, point is, um, I didn't realize that Mongolian, like written, looks a lot like um, Russian. I didn't realize how similar the languages were. I didn't realize I thought that... it was a lot more like Chinese, but it's not. It's like Russian. Is but is it Russian or is it like Mongolian is the language, right? Mongolian is the language, yeah. I'm getting way off topic though. So, so Xanadu, <laughs> Xanadu, Xanadu is uh, the first capital of the Mongol Empire under Kublai Khan in 1263 A.D. Um, and it was abandoned 12, in 1430. 1263 A.D. Not BC. Oh, 80. I, I, I thought 80 like the number. Oh, 1263, sorry. 80. I was like, what? <laughs> what year is that? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, I got confused. There. I'm American. I'm not even American. I'm from the Midwest. So all of our T's sound like D's. We don't differentiate mm. between 80. AT. AD, okay. though. This is A. <laughs> Should I say C-E? That's the more, like, correct. I, I, I mean, now I know that you're not talking about the number 80, but yeah. about A-D. <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. You can decide. Either way is fine. Okay. We got to keep going. I was still on my first bullet point. I'm not my first bullet point. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it's my fault. It's my fault. Anyway. Okay. So, Xanadu, right? It became the first capital of the Mongol. It was the capital of the Mongol. Okay. I should stop talking now. I'm just... Oh, God, we're both hot messes today. <laughs> so, anyway, one of the reasons why it's so famous, besides being uh, the first capital of the Mongol Empire under Kublai Khan, was that it was found and described by Marco Polo 
uh, in his mm. famous book Travels, which was published in 1298. And also, Samuel Taylor Coleridge wrote a poem in 1797 called Kubla Khan. And in it, he describes or he man- he kind of references Xanadu. And it's kind of the combination of these famous works are what built Xanadu up as kind of this fantastical oriental city in the west for a very very long time but it is a real place um even though a lot of its imagery and everything like that is more myth than real it is an actual real place that you can visit was the Kublai Khan and Xanadu the same thing but like the English term for it Kub- the Kublai Khan is a person oh I'm- okay Kublai Khan is a person and Xanadu yes, is the was- place Yes, he uh, he was the emperor of the of the Mongol oh, Empire okay. for a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to actually share just the first stanza of the poem Kublai Khan because I think it's quite good. Um, mm-hmm. So it goes: in, in Xanadu did Kublai Khan a stately pleasure dome decree, where Alf the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man down to a sunless sea. So twice five miles of fertile ground with walls and towers were girdled round. And there were gardens bright with sinuous rills where blossomed many an incense-bearing tree. And here were forests ancient as the hills and folding sunny spots of greenery. So it's a, it's a good poem. I actually quite liked it. It's a lot longer than that, obviously, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's not very accurate to actual Xanadu. Like, there is no <laughs> sacred river called Alf. And um, it talks a lot about, like, these ice caverns or whatever later on in the poem, and there isn't anything like that. So it's really not at all based off reality, right? But but it sounds because of this, really nice. It is. It's got great uh, sonic sonic rhyming and, and alliteration yeah. and things like that. But also, it's just kind of, it played a major part in kind of building up the myth of Xanadu rather than the real mm-hmm which I think is pretty neat. And you can obviously see why, because of all the uh, the great imagery and everything. Okay, so now we're going to get down into kind of the history, the history of Xanadu and what it actually is. And to do that, I think it's best to actually just talk about Kublai Khan and who was Kublai Khan and things like that, because it's, the city is very much tied with his identity and his life, essentially. So... Uh, Kublai Khan was the very first emperor of China's Yuan dynasty, which lasted for just over 100 years. He is also, you'll better know, his grandfather, Genghis Khan, who was the person who established the Mongol Empire. So Mm. um, that's one way to kind of help relate him to, you know, perhaps even more famous figure is Genghis Khan. So Kublai Khan was born in 1215, and then he rose to power in 1260. And probably his most defining characteristic as, like, a ruler was that rather than trying to just kind of conquer and and use force and violence to make his conquered peoples assimilate to his culture, he chose to respect the customs of his conquered, which was very unusual, you know, for the time. And I Mm -hmm. think he could perhaps be best related to, like, Alexander the Great, because Alexander the Great was technically Macedonian, but because he conquered Greece, most of his empire ended up becoming more Greek than Macedonian. Um, And in that same way, even though Kublai Khan was Mongolian, most of his empire ended up being Chinese and kind of dominated by Chinese culture. And um, he was more embracing of that than many other rulers would have been. Um, and then... So he conquered parts of China. Yes, actually. So the Mongol Empire is like, I think, I could be wrong on this, but I think it is the largest empire that has ever existed in human history. Mongol Empire was huge. I don't think that's necessarily doing the Yuan Dynasty, although that was actually one of its highest points as far as just land coverage, because Mm -hmm. he was the first one to basically conquer the entire Chinese continent as we know it um from the north to the south because like there a was country a, right yeah because there was a different dynasty oh well i mean that's uh, yeah chinese chinese country but also obviously mm. far beyond um yeah yeah chinese the asian borders, continent but, um 
because there was a separate dynasty down in the south and he was the first one to like kind of conquer them although it was kind of rough going however because he was so favorable towards chinese customs and chinese people uh he ended up making a lot of enemies with the mongolian nobility and oh. also he was particularly favorable towards the middle class like chinese merchants and things like that so mm-hmm. the working class people actually also didn't like him so he had a lot of internal struggle with that and then he had a lot of unsuccessful invasions later on with he tried to invade japan he tried to invade burma and java and then mm-hmm. all sorts of other factors but eventually um and he had a lot of personal loss too like i think his wife and his child died uh pretty close together so he kind of mm-hmm. fell into this depression in the last years of his life and then he eventually died of gout in 1294 mm. But we're not going to be talking so much about that. We're more talking about kind of his high point in his life. Because that's what mm-hmm. Xanadu better represents. Um, so first, so he drew, Kublai Khan rose to power in 1260, right? So before mm-hmm. that, his older brother was actually the one who was the emperor of the Mongol Empire. And Kublai was more in charge of like the north, the northern part of the Mongol Empire. So he established Xanadu as the northern capital in 1251. And then the brother died, and he was named the Great Khan. Um, And that's when he then established Xanadu to be the capital of the whole empire. Eventually, he would come into some conflict with his younger brother, who didn't think he deserved to have the throne. You know, typical royal family stuff. Eventually, Kublai would defeat his little brother, and that little brother actually surrendered to him in Xanadu, which I think is pretty neat. Just Mm -hmm. to kind of emphasize, you know, how closely connected they are. And then eventually, uh, it was only the capital of the Mongol Empire for a very short time. In 1273, they moved the official capital around. And they kept moving it every couple years until it eventually ended up being Daidu, which is modern-day Beijing, which is pretty neat. Oh. Yeah. Of the Mongolian Um, Empire. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, And then where... where it's still like the Mongol Empire versus like ancient China, I think ends up getting kind of mixed because the Yuan Dynasty is considered part of Chinese history, obviously, because all of China was mm-hmm. part of the Mongol Empire at this point. So, you know, whether it's Mongolian or Chinese, it tends to get pretty mixed, which is kind of characteristic of, of the dynasty in general. Um, so actually, so after... 1273 Xanadu was eventually just kind of named the summer capital uh because that's where Kublai would want to go in the summertime because you know it's in the north so it's a lot cooler and Mm -hmm. everything like that so every summer he and his family and thus obviously like literally everyone else who had to be around the emperor you know would just relocate to Xanadu in the summer months Mm -hmm. so that's when Xanadu actually got its real name before I think it had it was called Kaiping or it had some other name, but uh, Shangdu literally means upper capital. So that's where it kind of got its name. That oh, and Shangdu was the uh, like Mongolian name for Xanadu. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I want to say Xanadu is more of like the ang- anglicized kind of pronunciation mm-hmm. of it. Um, but it's probably the most well known. So that's why I chose to go by it. Okay. But uh, yeah, so Xanadu remained the summer capital of the Yuan Dynasty until the Yuan Dynasty ended in twelve six or thirteen sixty four. Excuse me. So it lasted for just over a hundred years, and then the city survived. But after it, the dynasty ended, it kind of went into the state of neglect, and so eventually the city was abandoned in fourteen thirty, about ninety years later. No, that's not 90. That's like 70. Anyway, so yeah. But abandoned by like the royal by all family? Of its occupants. No, the I mean the royal family stopped living there after 1364 when the family was overthrown. Mm-hmm. Um but like literally all of its inhabitants left by like Like literally. Yeah. Yeah. No, what was the turning point there? Um, it was kind of like this type of transition where the, like, the family of Genghis Khan and Kublai Khan was no longer in power after 1364, so mm-hmm. it was no longer favored as, like, you know, this place. It was no longer favored by the ruling family or anything like that, so it had this, like, 70-year 
state of transition where it kind of fell into the state of neglect because, you know, people weren't coming there and it wasn't as important mm-hmm. anymore and all this stuff. And it got to the point where people just straight up abandoned the city and decided to move elsewhere by 1430. But I still think it's a crazy move to like, you know, like, do you get what I mean? It's incredible to just be like, oh, I'm going to leave the city behind. Like as an inhabitant of the city and as, yeah, as someone living there being like, oh, no, I'm just going to leave. I and know, for all of I the think, inhabitants doing that. I think it was more, um, more rare, you know, for... Uh, I mean, I guess that makes sense because the city was so, like, important. It was so, like, lavish and everything like that. But it makes you think about cities like Varanasi, right? Which have been continuously mm-hmm. inhabited for, for thousands of years and kind of how amazing and rare that is, really. Um, but, yeah. I don't, I don't know enough about ancient history to know how, whether that's the dominant nature mm-hmm. is that cities were, you know, continuously inhabited or whatever, or if it was more common for them to be. I still uh, think it's really interesting. It is, yeah. Um, I don't exactly know when people started moving there again, mm-hmm. but, um, but eventually, probably within like 18 and 1900s as uh, colonialism was becoming more of a thing and everything okay. like that the city kind of got rediscovered and revitalized in some ways mm-hmm. let's see so then uh there are some other neat facts about the city in kublai khan uh basically as kind of representative of the yuan dynasty in general the city was known for its blend of mongolian and chinese culture particularly in its architecture and its religious history so for example you can see a lot of in the city, like the city style, so, okay. <laughs> the Mongols were primarily made up of nomadic tribes and things like that. So hunting was like their way of life, whereas the Chinese was more um, agricultural based. So they would actually settle, make settlements and, and farms and things like that. So Xanadu was next to all these great hunting grounds and things like that, but it also had all these large agricultural fields. So it really mm-hmm. helped represent this new blending of the identities. Um, but at the same time, even though it was headed by a Mongolian leader, he hired a Chinese architect to do the city planning. So it was one of the first like Mongolian cities that was kind of properly structured and, and planned out in, a, in an urban way, um, which I think is pretty neat. And one of its other kind of neat things is that it there was a famous religious debate held in Xanadu between Buddhists and Taoists, and that led to oh. the spread of Tibetan Buddhism across northern China. That was like the catalyst for that kind oh. of religious movement. Yeah. So that's really neat. Um, Marco Polo served on Kublai Khan's court from 1275 to 1292. Which must have been, I mean, so he was there pretty much up until Kublai Khan died. He only died like two years later. So Marco mm. Polo was chilling there for a long time. Um, <laughs> and I, I've also included an excerpt from um, his book, Travels, that describes the, uh, the city. Specifically the castle in the city. He said, the halls and chambers are all gilt and very handsome. Within the bounds of the royal park, there are rich and beautiful meadows watered by many rivulets which where a variety of animals of the deer and goat kind are pastured to serve as food for the hawks and other birds employed in the chase. In the center of these grounds, where there is a beautiful grove of trees, he, he, Kublai Khan, has built a royal pavilion supported upon a colonnade of handsome pillars, gilt and varnished. So, obviously, lots of nature. You see how the idea of using the hawks as hunting birds is is addressed here and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So I think that's all really neat. Um, and nowadays it is considered a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Shocker. (laughs) Oh. Um, So you can go there today to see the ruins of the city, temples, and castles, as well as tombs and canals. Um, and when I say ruins, it's not like, it's not like the Colosseum or something. Like, these are, like, pretty much raised to the ground, almost, you know, they got... Mm, okay some some stones that are built you know only a couple stones high yeah. things like that so they're like ruins ruins but it's still really really cool and obviously like kind of mm-hmm. overgrown with with nature and everything i think um 
there's also this really, really cool thing. And I couldn't find, I was so shocked. So the whole reason why I chose this was because one of the most famous images you'll see associated with Xanadu is this really cool, um, basically stone wall that has these great images of like the Mongolian emperor and like kind of an army in the background, like carved into the side of the stone. I don't think it's as big as a lot of images will kind of think. Cause it honestly, I thought it was like a mountainside entirely mm-hmm. carved into like this, this image kind of like Mount Rushmore, but not as not quite as like 3d, but um, I don't think that's the case. I think it's probably the height of like three people maybe standing on each other's shoulders oh. or something like that, but it's still really cool. So I'd highly recommend looking it up, but I couldn't find like, I couldn't find what it was called you know, I couldn't find anything like that, which really shocked me because it's so pretty and it's still so detailed after all these all these years. But how did you come across it? Just like Google Images or articles um, that I was reading to research for it. That was like the, the main picture that you will often see in. Uh, okay, and that in drew you into the topic. Like mm-hmm. Um, mm. Which I think I, I, I wanted to mention this. I'm not quite done. I have one more thing to say, but. As Because I, I knew I wanted to do, like, a mythical place that was actually real or something like that. So the yeah. first place I looked up was uh, this. I found this article that said, 15 mythical places around the world you, you'll wish were real. <laughs> and then I immediately read another article called 10 Mythical Places That Really Exist. And the overlap Ooh. between these two <laughs> articles was um, pretty amazing. I'd say most of them overlapped, <laughs> even though one claims that these places don't exist and one is like, really? they exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Um, mm. But anyway, so I think um, one of my main sources w- for this was the Ancient History Encyclopedia Online. And I think they put uh, it best when they wrote, both Polo and Coleridge's works contributed immeasurably to the mystique of the Far East and Western eyes and, in particular, the idea of a lavish city called Xanadu. That very name came to be associated with mystery, exotica, magnificent, splen- magnificent splendor, and easy leisure. So that's kind of mm-hmm. the myth of, of Xanadu and what it, the term has come to represent. Mm. So it's basically that people wrote about it i think you said marco polo wrote about it and mm-hmm. it sounded so mysterious and so um beautiful right and right, then yeah. people kind of painted this image in their heads so it was kind of this far off like far away place which no one really knew but you mentioned that it isn't really like like in like mentioned in the poems and stuff like that in real life right but it was still like that's the mythology right. behind it right like the myth behind it essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. You put it perfectly. Hmm. That sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's. I think that's really neat. I th- yeah, I think it's so interesting. Also, um, just how big the Mongolian Empire was. I, in general, think it's so interesting to see like how the borders of countries have shifted, like in history. Oh, so, yeah. It's just so interesting that it was so big at some point because right now Mongolia isn't, you know, like China's a lot bigger. You know, you don't really think about Mongolia that yeah. much. I would say in terms of like the size, you know, like it's not that present, but it was so big back it then. Was so big. And that's something mm-hmm. that amazes me because I know a lot of people, like a lot of American kids my age will complain about their history classes and how insufficient they were and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally I... I can't really relate because I actually had a really, really great history education, I'd say overall. But <laughs> it does shock me that we don't really learn much about the Mongol Empire at all, given how large it was, because it was yeah. massive. Um, but now we know. <laughs> but now we know. You you talking also talking about how borders change. I think that's especially prevalent in Europe with like different cult like different countries, oh, you know, being separated and combined and all this stuff, but and made me think of my friend Charlie because he always likes to talk about the League of Nations after World War One. That was like mm-hmm. largely ineffective, um, and how that was headed by uh, 
uh, Woodrow Wilson, the American president. So Charlie always likes to talk about Woodrow Wilson and his purple crayon trying to draw the European borders after World War One. <laughs> <laughs> That's really so, interesting. There are a couple yeah. of videos online. I think I watched one on YouTube. Um, the borders, a video just about the history of time, like how the borders of Europe have, cha have changed. And I think it's oh. so interesting because, you know, like also the Austria-Hungarian Empire was huge. It was mm -hmm. gigantic. And now we're such a small country. And the thing, what I think of is, for example, before the Second World War, or even during the Second World War, you know, the borders shifted a lot. And that wasn't that long ago, you know what I mean? Right? And for me, like being born into the set Europe, like into the set Europe with all of the borders and like everyone knows its place, uh, like his or her place. It's so interesting that not that long ago, it looked completely differently. That's true. That's a good point. Mm. You should send me that video. I'd really like to watch it. I will. It's it's just it's basically just a time lapse video of how the borders have changed. Oh, I um, see. I'm not sure how I, I. I'm pretty sure I can find it by just googling like borders of Europe, like on searching on YouTube borders of Europe history or something like that. But I'm gonna send it to you. I can put it into the link of this episode if anyone is interested. Um, it's just a time lapse, but it's really interesting. Yeah. So now onto my topic, I guess. I researched the topic of. Iceland, I guess, <laughs> yes. for this episode, is Icelandic mythology. And how I came across this topic, I want to give a shout out to my friend Sarah. Uh, she's a really big fan of Iceland and she went, uh, when did she go to Iceland? I think last year or something like that. And she told me about it, like how interesting it was because she mentioned that, you know, in Iceland, trolls or in general my mythology is very present and how the people live and that's mm -hmm. why I looked it up more and I think it's so interesting so yeah I really would have excited. never known about it if she didn't mention it yeah so okay let's start so I found a statistic online where it was like 10% of Icelanders believe in supernatural beings and 10% do not believe in supernatural beings but the rest of the population you know the other 80% is in between there like they don't have strong feelings about supernatural beings, but they also don't completely want to deny them, you know? And I think right. that itself is really interesting. So one of like the main, I guess, legends um, in Iceland are Hurdefork. I pronounced it so wrongly, but I tried my best. <laughs> so. I think it's because you have your like accent though and obviously you you're a german speaker it sounds so much more right than if i were to try and say it you know like i hear it i'm like yeah that sounds right sounds foreign <laughs> that sounds foreign i tried my best so herdefork is hidden people or elves um like that's what it's referring to and the legend is that they're hidden in enchanted, like they're living in enchanted caves or in rocks and only come out on special occasions. And Icelandic people take it quite seriously. Like, th that's the one thing Sarah told me about is that they build roads according to, like, how to not disturb the elves. Oh. And yeah, and when I research it, so there's road work pro projects. Sometimes, like, when they run into trouble, when road work projects run into trouble, it's sometimes said that they're angering the local elves. And that's why, like, some roadwork, roadwork problem, uh, problem, <laughs> roadwork projects stop, or they consult a medium that must be consulted before the work can continue. So it's really interesting. Like, it, it affects, you know, their daily, daily life. Yeah, and there are also specific holidays for Huldefork. Huldefork. I need to pronounce oh. it in a German way more, more than an <laughs> English way. Um, for example, on New Year's Eve, on the, on Midsummer or on Christmas night, um, there are folk tales that basically, there are folk tales told about the elves 
um, for example, about the elf elves holding parties on these days, or there are even humans hosting bonfires for the elves on those oh. days. And for example, on Christmas, there's this one tradition um, or one custom, Icelandic custom, where people clean out their houses and leave food for the elves. It's kind of it kind of reminds me of leaving cookies for Santa Claus, right? Right. What does cleaning the house have to do with the elves, though? I'm not like, too sure. Are they? I didn't... Do the elves live in the house? So to like apologize for ruining their homes, they're like have food, so you don't get mad at us. Or... I'm not too sure. It didn't say anything about that. It just said that mm. that's a custom to do that, but I don't really know the reason for it. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> These are um, questions I have. Yeah, so they're also... Um, wait, where was I? Yeah, there's also... Arvhor. <laughs> they're like small wooden houses that people construct for the benefit of elves. And you can uh -huh. see them throughout Iceland. And yeah, and the elves are said to live in those houses as well. And there are even some... That was such an interesting fact. But it said that there are even some very small churches which are created for the purpose of converting elves to Christianity. <laughs> and that was so random. And I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's That sounds right, though, you know? It's like, hey, man, if they're there... They gotta know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why stop? <laughs> why stop at humans, man? Let's go. Oh let's not just let's not just build small houses. Let's also build small churches. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have heard rumors that like, in one of like, probably the church councilors or Vatican meetings or something, it has been mm -hmm. discussed about like how will, how will evangelization and church work if we find out aliens exist? No. <laughs> That's been a real thing that's been seriously discussed, and I love it. Wow. You can make an episode <laughs> on that. <laughs> Aliens. And what their religion is. Um, yeah, so also, besides the folk tales, there's... I mean, there are also folk tales, what I'm going to get to right now, but also, like, the scenery of Iceland has a lot of stories relating to those elves and trolls, for example, because... They're the trolls of Vic. And there's... I don't know whether you've seen a lot of pictures of Iceland. But it's, you know, it's a very beautiful country. Oh, yeah. And it's especially known for its black beaches. Like, they have completely black sand beaches. Um, and so there's a beautiful black sand beach in Vic. I guess it's probably one of the most known ones. Um, one of the most well-known beaches black beaches and trolls are supposed to live there and there are these huge rocks at off the shore of the beach you know mm -hmm. and the legend says that they were once trolls those you know rocks oh. who were caught in the sunlight as they tried to drag ships ashore and that's like because they were caught by the sunlight the trolls turned into stone forever Right. And those are the rocks oh, there. So they can yeah. only stay in the dark. They can't be in the light or else they'll... Apparently. I mean, they, they said the reason was um, that it was that they were caught by sunlight. So I guess it's by nighttime. I, I love that extra detail, though, of um, them trying to drag the ships to shore. You know, <laughs> it's not just that they, like, were just in the sunlight because they were napping or something like that. Like, I love <laughs> that there's that extra added detail to, like, explain what they were doing <laughs> that got them caught in the sunlight. So, You're like, right. specific and detailed. <laughs> Another example is Naustavilft. Naustavilft. That's a troll seat. Like, that was the translation for it. Troll seat. Mm -hmm. And it's a hikeable mountain that basically oh. looks like what would happen if a troll sat on a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> wait okay so what do you mean by that it's so hard to describe but you know every mountain has this of course every mountain comes to an end so it goes downwards you know and then it's right. meeting another mountain on the bottom like you go a couple of hundreds of meters and then the next mountain s starts again and like it goes up but I think for this specific like troll seat mountain they just join closer together 
So it's 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 it never gets to the bottom, and it's just it's going down, and then it's going up oh. again. So it looks as if someone sat there. Oh, okay, I get it. I I am seeing it now in my mind. You get eye. it? Yeah, and that's kind my, of like what it looks my like. My fingers it's just... are pressed to my temple to increase my brain power. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> I get it. Okay, that's really <laughs> I'm glad. No worries. There was this one quote in this online source I found, which it was, which I thought was really interesting, and it says, "If something seems extremely unique or like it couldn't possibly be carved by nature itself, chances are a troll had something to do with it." <laughs> Logically speaking, that is the <laughs> next best option. It is. <laughs> Love it. So the next thing I looked into is kind of the touristic part of it. So there's an elf school in Iceland, which reminded me so much of Hogwarts. I don't know why. I was going to say, oh, what? Because (laughs) 10 year old Olivia, who wanted to pretend that she was an elf, would like be so all over that. Oh, man. (laughs) So I researched it a bit and I think it's mostly like a tourist thing because it's a school that offers brief courses or even like guided tours on folklore, elf, elves, fairies, trolls, dwarves, and more. And the school identifies 13 types of elves and has a full curriculum of studying, you know, with textbooks, mm-hmm. like with legit textbooks. But I think like it's not like a real school school, but more like, I oh, I'm a tourist, I'm going to take that course because you can get a diploma at the end and the school also offers a tour of habitants of the hidden folk as well yeah which ends as and, and it's so funny and it said which ends as pleasantly as possible with coffee and pancakes so you don't just get to see the habitants you also get oh. coffee and pancakes oh my god <laughs> i want to do that i am disappointed that it's not teaching you how to live like an elf yeah that sounds even more like fun and silly and kind of like a thing tourists would do is like live like an icelandic elf (laughs) here's how we think they uh, cook their food type of thing i mean you can try you can you can (laughs) open your own school in iceland go ahead (laughs) go for it olivia that's what that's my next that's my calling in life now we know (laughs) right here you guys have have witnessed my true calling being revealed to me (laughs) and there was one topic i researched a bit further like a bit deeper and that were yule lads which is basically the equivalent to santa claus please tell me if i pronounced this wrongly mischievous um, mischievous? I've, you'll hear mischievous or you'll hear mischievous. Which I think mischievous is more common, but mischievous sounds like fancier. You know, sometimes I question where I get words from because I always pronounce it mischievous. And then I looked it up today because it was like, I just want to be sure. You know, it's a difficult word. And it was mischievous. And I was like, where did I get the pronunciation from? And I just thought I only read it, but I'm very glad to hear that that's an actual pronunciation. So I yeah. wasn't completely off and wasn't completely saying it the wrong way all my life. There are a couple <laughs> of words like that where, even though I think technically, like, technically the correct pronunciation is mischievous, most mm-hmm. people will pronounce it as mischievous. There's okay. another word that's like that where I, I know the correct pronunciation, so of course I get. <laughs> annoyed when people use it wrongly but i totally get why people use it wrongly but i can't think of what it is right now so i won't worry. <laughs> no <laughs> now you really like put up like build up the tension and now you didn't say the word i'm disappointed I'm olivia i want to say it's like considerate but it's not considerate but it's something similar to considerate considerate <laughs> no it's not that <laughs> considerate uh yeah i don't know maybe you will remember it throughout me talking I remember the word. Okay, okay. It's um contemplative. As in uh to con- co- to contemplate, like to think about something. Oh, yeah. yeah. As an adjective, it's contemplative, but a lot of people say contemplative. Perfect. Okay, so uh mischievous equivalent to Santa Claus. 
And what's so inter- interesting? Do you know it? I, no, I'm just really excited because I love Santa. Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought you remembered the Ready to hear Icelandic elvish Santa. <laughs> the thing is, they're Yule lads, you know? So they're multiple people and they're 13 brothers who descend from trolls. Oh my god, that's so cute! The Yule the- lads! It's I not that, that cute, though. It's not that cute, though. I'm gonna get to that. Oh, sad. <laughs> okay, first to the good parts. Instead of behaving like trolls, the Yule lads take up the distribution of gifts to Icelandic children during Christmas time. And each Yule lad has his own name and personality, like individual personality, and they take turns visiting the children on the 30 ni- 13 nights leading up to Christmas. And how it works is you put a shoe up on a windowsill, and then the elves will give you small presents each day. Like, what are you going to wake up to? And um, Advent calendars? In some way, because it's leading up to Christmas. But we in Austria also have class um, where we also put our shoes out and then we get like oranges or peanuts in our shoes or like small chocolates. But it's only on one day. It's also pre-Christmas season. It's on the 6th of December. That's St. Nicholas for us. So it really reminds me of that. But I think it's so cool that they have it like on 13. Okay. Yeah, actually, I think... Because December 6th, I'm pretty sure, is the Feast of St. Nicholas, which mm-hmm. is probably why it's that day. And um, yeah. in my in my this isn't really an American thing, but because I went to a Catholic school, this was a thing where uh, the night before December 6th, we were told to leave our gym shoes out in the mm-hmm. hallway of the school. Mm-hmm. And then when we came in the next day, uh, there would be candy in our shoes and things like that. So The school did that? Yeah, the school did that. My, it, my, it was never something my family. It, but that my, was, it was a never something school, my family right? did. Yeah. Interesting. But, yeah, for uh, us it's boots. My... Mm-hmm. And for everyone who doesn't know about this, I'm sorry I'm taking this course to Austria here, but it just reminded <laughs> me of like our custom. No, no. Yeah. And Austria is a very like, in Austria, the state and the church are connected, so everyone basically grows up Christian. Not everyone is. I think it's a very different Christian to the U.S. Christian because you're born born with it kind of you know what i mean like it's different because you never really choose it um but that's why we have a lot of christian traditions and yeah saint nicholas is a christian holiday and we have a lot of holidays like national holidays christian um so yeah that's just a quick backstory and i guess that's why you have saint nicholas but it sounds really similar but once again i think it's really cool that they have it on 13 days and not just one day and yeah, so the, what I read on one source is that, you know, good boys and girls get candy from the Yulets. And if you weren't good, then one source said just that they're going to put potatoes into your shoes. But one specific source even said that they would put rotten potatoes into your shoes. Oh. So I'm not sure whether it's always rotten potatoes, but I really don't hope so. <laughs> that's again that's like um charlie brown right i got a rock i got a potato but that makes a big difference because honestly it wouldn't be at least because i'm an adult i would be like oh, potatoes <laughs> great i don't have to buy my own right I, right I love potatoes but if they were rotten potatoes <laughs> then that's just nasty mm. and now coming to the like back to the time you said that oh that's so cute so the thing is ready that, for my dreams that, to be shattered yeah <laughs> the Yulets used to be known as terrifying creatures up until the late um, 1700s. And because they used to go around stealing and breaking into people's houses, like they were really like bad, bad. And in 1746, parents were officially banned. Like it was officially banned for parents to torture their children with those stories of the Yulets. <laughs> I don't... So... Wait, so like... I don't understand how, because I get like it's kind of a joke thing of like, oh, you know, Santa's breaking and entering, you know, what a bad guy kind of thing. But it's like he's he's freaking he's leaving presents. It's fine. It's like they're leaving candy for the good kids. At they're time they were for the good kids. No, no, so, at that. Well, so at, they just broke. They just broke in and, and caused havoc on Christmas. Yeah. So no, but leading up like to the seventeen hundreds, 
That's how I understood it. They were just like these creatures, like this legend, but not necessarily connected to Christmas or they weren't giving any presents. It was just these people and they're bad people. Like the legend is or what people think where the legend came from is from homeless people where they just like imagined having all of this stuff. And that's why the trolls were stealing or they aren't trolls, but like the Yulets were stealing stuff. And that's, you know, where the legend comes from. And as soon as Santa kind of like entered also the European sphere of being like, oh yeah, there's this Christmas tradition. They kind of like, that was the turning point of being like, oh, so they're going to bring presents now and they're going to turn into these good people, you know, who are not bad. But like originally they were, they weren't bringing presents. They were only like the bad troll descendants. But if that means, okay, so here's my, here's my case then. Mm -hmm. So that means that before when they were, you know, bad little spirit creatures, they weren't called the Yule Lads because they had nothing to do with Christmas. So it's like they basically became an entirely new thing once they became associated with Christmas and became the Yule Lads. So I can still stand by my idea that the Yule Lads, very specifically from like the 1700s onward or whatever, Mm -hmm. are very cute. And kind and benevolent, <laughs> and I love them. <laughs> okay, okay. If you want to believe that, I do want what to. What do you correct- mean? What do you mean? If I want to believe it, that's how it is. <laughs> they were a separate thing before, and now they're the Yule lads, and they're amazing. I, I, want I, I haven't cor- even known about this for twenty minutes. I'm still so passionate. I want to correct myself, though. I do think that they were related to Christmas, and I think how the parents were tormenting their children was like, if you don't do that, the Yule lads are gonna come. Uh, like, you know, like if you uh, weren't a good like, person for whatever. Christmas, I think there was a cr- connection to Christmas before. I'm not 100% sure, but I think there was. But they only started doing like the 13 days thing and everything like that. But there might have been a connection to Christmas before. And that's why people were tormenting them. I don't I know that they were t- tormenting their children in terms of like, if you're not good, good. if you're not a, a nice person child then the eulets are gonna come get you but i don't know whether it was only on christmas or throughout the whole year i mean it's like without like a santa figure to reward the good kids you know it feels like that idea of like christmas you know because the whole thing is like a because of santa claus christmas is a time for kids of kind of like reward and punishment for your Mm -hmm. behavior you know, yeah. but without that kind of figure to deliver out the reward or punishment, it seems like why Christmas specifically, you know, for that. But then I guess yeah. it's like Christmas is a time for that, but it's just a time of punishment or not punishment. Mm. So maybe it still does work in that way. I don't know. That's interesting. Maybe. I want to, you know, okay, so here's the thing, right? In our in our Air Castles world tour that will eventually go on someday. <laughs> a world tour. <laughs> we're going to go to the Flower Festival with our moms. Mm-hmm. And now we're also going to go to the uh, elf, elf school in Iceland. <laughs> I've unilaterally decided this. And we're going to learn about the origin of the Yule Lads. Yeah, that's true. We can learn about that in elf school. And then we'll be able about to settle this argument. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds okay, good. that's the plan. <laughs> um, what I thought was so interesting about the Yulets to move on is that I told be- I told you before that they had like their own names and personalities. Right. Yes, and they remind me a bit of like of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. But mm-hmm. what's so mm-hmm. interesting is when you look into those personalities, you can see like the original image of the Yulets, which was bad and mean because their personalities like one is known for stealing food from frying pans one is known for stomping around and slamming doors one steals candles and the creepiest one i think is one that creeps outside of your window to see if there's any stuff to steal inside and every one of them is like has this bad thing like one um steals milk one eats all of the icelandic yogurt there's so many but they're only bad things you know what? Bad character traits. I don't traits. understand. How can you have these like creatures who are giving you gifts and stuff, but it's like, but they only do bad things, except for this like one good thing. But that's like, don't question cast. it. I'm questioning. <laughs> it's a legend. Question question. Don't question it. I'm sorry. 
I, you know, honestly, my like my actual first thought when you said that there was like twelve little brothers, it's like thirteen. When, thirteen, that's right, thirteen. Because I was thinking like, wait, if Santa is an elf, then who are Santa's workers? Because you know, to traditionally, at least American Santa, like Santa works in the North Pole, and he has all these little elf minions mm. who help make the toys. But then I'm like, who who helps elf Santa? But now it makes sense because there's 13 of them. So. Yeah. It's like there's 13 um, Santas. But they're all mean. I don't understand. I still love them. I don't care. <laughs> there are a lot of like mean characters, I think, in Icelandic legends. Because there are two other characters that are connected to the Yulets, which I'm going to talk about now real quick, is Grilla. I really don't know whether I pronounced it right, but she's the mother of the Yulets. And she, they also have a father, but I only saw stories about the mother. (laughs) She comes down from the mountains on Christmas and boils naughty children alive. Oh my God. Yeah. And besides that. They turned out so messed up with the mom. (laughs) With that mother. And they also have a Yule cat, which is like, Supposed to be a huge, gigantic black cat, which I which I really is upset about because I love black cats and why do they always have to be bad and you know <laughs> bring bad fortunes? I don't like that. But apparently it is a black cat, so it's a Yule cat, also known as the scary Christmas cat, and it's the <laughs> pet of Grilla. So the mother is the pet of the mother, and the cat is known to devour anyone, anybody who does not receive a new item of clothing on Christmas. And it's supposed to like look through windows and and watch people like whether they're getting new clothes on Christmas. And Wait, okay. it's going to devour children if you don't. Even, it's, even if it's just a sock, even if it's just socks, but you got to get new clothes on Christmas. <laughs> Master has gifted Dobby with a sock. Dobby yeah. is free for another year. <laughs> exactly, he's free from the Yule Cat. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to question things again. Why, <laughs> why are you punished for things that other people give you? Because it's not if you, you have to give, yeah. it's not that you have to give someone new clothing or you have to give everyone new clothing. It's that if you don't receive the specific type of gift from another, from other people, then you're the one who screwed over. But you don't get you don't have any power over that. It's not your fault if people don't give you clothes. That's capitalism, Olivia. <laughs> oh my god, don't even. Oh my god. That's No, yeah. I, I I don't have an answer for that. I think a lot of <laughs> legends, customs I don't know, it's just how it is. <laughs> now okay, so now that I've been outed as a writer, right? Now I can say this. <laughs> I uh I'm going to write a short story or maybe even a whole novel about the Yule lads <laughs> and the Yule cat and how they're just victims of, of, of abuse from a cruel <laughs> mother and it's not their fault and they can be good. That's, That's a nice happen. story. <laughs> <I> w- <laughs> you can turn it into a children's book for Icelandic children. Yes. I just have to learn Icelandic. Can we start Icelandic? i'll get back to that in one week when i can do it my so i thought always thought my future was going to be tied with uh japan you know given everything that's (laughs) happened in my life but it turns out my real future is tied with iceland because i'm going to move there and establish an elf school an actual elf school and then i'm going to become an award-winning children's uh writer Hmm. go to iceland i have two though i really love iceland and my parents mm. got to stay there for like a 24-hour layover um, oh. on their way to a trip or something. Um, it's a deal my mom found because she's a travel agent, so she knows these mm. things. Cruise Planners with Kim. Plug, 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 plug. <laughs> she's really great. Obviously, I'm biased, but she actually... Okay, so that's my part of today's episode. If well, any of you... you... You're welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> if any of you want to get in contact with us have any recommendations comments anything you can do that on our email address which is aircastlespodcast at gmail.com or on twitter our handle is at aircastlespod and yeah that's pretty much it and we would always be very happy 
and kindly ask you to, you know, review this podcast, recommend it to friends, family, anyone. Subscribe. And yeah, subscribe and tweet leave us your us, thoughts. Tweet at us with your arguments on the uh, pro or con oh, lads debate. We're starting that will be a debate. Ongoing for uh, <laughs> the rest of time. <laughs> so, German with Joe. Uh, today's vocabulary. You kind of already know about this, but I thought it would fit the episode as it's about, you know, mythology and kind of, I mean, I don't want to say fantasy because I think it's up to everyone's interpretation and you can believe in mythology and legends, but I st th still think there's a lot of like imaginary stuff to it, you know, like a, lo a lot of just, yeah, imagine stuff like being very colorful and like you mentioned the city um, in Mongolia. So, which leads me to daydreaming. And which leads me to the title of this episode, which is Air Castles. We briefly mentioned it in the first episode, but I thought I'd bring it up again. So the German saying and where this title of our episode comes from is to build air castles is to daydream. Oh. Um, that's basically what it means. You say, oh, she's building an air castle again. Like she has her head in the clouds. She's daydreaming. She's there's She has this dream, like when you dream for something that, people don't believe in it's like she's building air castle she's never gonna get she's never gonna become the president of austria you know and so in german air castle is luftschloss luft is air and castle is schloss and to build air castles is luftschlösser which is the plural of luftschloss luftschlösser bauen to build air castles oh god i love this I'm so, I'm so like, you can't, oh my God, I'm smiling so much right now. Um, but okay, so oh. say it one more time. Yeah. Luft Schlösser bauen. Luft Schlösser bauen. Yeah. Luft that's Schlösser it. bauen. Luft Schlösser bauen. And Luft, Luft Schloss, is that? Air castle. That's an air castle. Luft Schloss. Yeah. Luft Schlösser bauen. Luft Schlösser yeah, bauen. And Air castles, if you would directly translate it, would be Luftschlösser because it's a plural. Oh, I see. So that'd be that's our German title is Luftschlösser. Yeah. Luftschlösser. Luftschlösser ah, Bauen. Ah, <laughs> yay! And I actually got that one somewhat easily. So that's yeah, nice. you but did. But I've also been hearing that word for for months now, so that helps. But too. we don't talk about it that much. That's true. About the German title. We we mentioned it, like, we talked about it when we were deciding upon the title of this podcast. And that was a long time ago. But after that, we never said Luftschlösser again. That's true. We've been doing this for a long time now, man. We have. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us, too. I mean, look at the count of our episodes. This is episode 12. That's crazy. That's incredible. I really didn't think we were going to make it this far, not going to lie. I'm really happy we did. Like, I kind of had a good gut feeling that was like, I feel like we're going to make we're going to make this work. But, you know, at the same time, it's just being the realistic side of me was like, I'm mm. probably just going to end up dropping it and we're going to get too busy and mess up. And Yeah, I didn't think we could keep up with it. Also with our weekly um, schedule. Because yeah. Because mm -hmm. I was so busy. For everyone who doesn't know, I'm finishing my bachelor right now. So... And and Olivia as well, like, she also has a lot of stress in university. And I thought, like, there were weeks where I had, I was just so busy. But I always found the time because it was nice doing something else, you know, besides university. So it was always a nice distraction. And I really enjoyed, like, learning the small bit every week and broadening my horizon. And Into the summer. Me too. Yay! And I think it's also great that we motivate each other because i thought about the fact like what if i started one by myself and i know that i would have dropped it immediately oh God, after no. like yeah. two weeks <laughs> because i'm always like i need to get this episode done because olivia knows we're uploading each friday so like i yes. need to get it up you know accountability Woo. accountability <laughs> yeah okay yeah. probably enough patting ourselves it. on the back now though <laughs> definitely <sighs> let's keep on building Luftschlösser. <laughs> we will continue Luftschlösser bauen. Yeah, we will continue Luftschlösser bauen. Okay, so thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. As always, we really appreciate you tuning in. 
And we hope to see you again next Friday when we're back with a new episode. And until then, tschüss und bis bald! Two words that make no sense in English in terms of pronunciation and there's no rule to it. Settle, because where does the B go? And psychology, oh. because where does the P go? <laughs> Do you just randomly leave out letters subtle? and you're like, no, yeah. we're, we're just going to ignore that. That's another one where some people will say subtle. But some people not. say subtle? Yeah, but that's not how you say it. I think you can get away with so much in English. That's true. <laughs> like, it's like mischievous, like no one cares.